Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. It's great to see you, uh, especially if you're a guest with us this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, If you are a guest, I hope that you got a bulletin as you walked in through one of the doors. Uh, There's a place for you in the bulletin. If you could just write your name down, a little bit of your information, and drop it in the offering plate as it comes by. That can be your gift to us this morning. Uh, We are so glad uh, to worship this morning. And as I call us to worship, uh, would everyone please stand? Uh, as we read God's word, and please remain standing uh, upon the completion of the reading of the word as Steve Mosco leads the choir and the church in worship. This is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Hymn number 314, All Hail the Power. Father, we're grateful for this time of prayer and gathering in your house to worship you this day. Thank you for each person that has come. We pray, Father, that our hearts will be renewed and restored and drawn closer unto you in our time of fellowship and worship today. We thank you for this first Sunday in the new year. Father, may it be just a, a glorious day of spiritual renewal. I pray for our pastor as he proclaims your word this morning. 
May the Holy Spirit have freedom to work within our hearts. And Father, just challenge us and draw us closer unto you for the challenges that you have before us in these days that lie ahead. Thank you for Broadway and the ministry that we're a part of here this day. And may our, Father, our lives be enriched and you glorified and magnified this day. May there those that do not know you as Savior and Lord, that this will be the day that they'll come to know you as, as their personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Stand as we sing. The love of God is. 
bow our hearts for the Father this morning. Lord, we are indeed grateful for your mighty hand in our lives. Your protective hand, your providential hand, your saving hand. Father, we know that all that we have is through you and by you. This morning we praise you, we thank you, we love you for who you are. Father, I pray that you'll bless these gifts, these tithes, these offerings, that it may glorify you. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Perry Moscow is going to come up and sing.
in Salt Lake City, everybody is Mormon. Maybe 98% people is lost. Everybody talk about growing a big church. I don't want big churches, I want more churches. In the city, when everyone is Mormon, it's easy to feel alone. In West Valley City, 42% is Hispanic people. It's hard for the Hispanic people to live in, in the United States. The people have two or three jobs. I see the, the fruit for the Hispanic in, in this community. One example is Jose. He is a new leader in our church. I came to the Utah from El Salvador. I found work here as a, a graphic design. I thought I was coming to America just to work. I did not realize God had another plan. Jose loves Jesus. He has a passion to see the, the people change it. I never think myself as a pastor, but I had been at Luis Church. He came to me about helping start a new church in an, another community. That was something I never pictured myself doing. But Luis is teaching me, and now I think I'm ready. When you see brothers going to plant new churches, is a sacrifice, but that heart is necessary. I'm grateful for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. It helped my life, my ministry, my family. This church is not possible. It does not have any Armstrong offering. I have a dream to see very soon new churches everywhere in Salt Lake City, Utah. This is our passion. This is our goal. I live for that. This is the Great Commission. I wanted to show that video, not to start promoting Annie Armstrong right now, but there's a greater purpose than that. Six months from today, Zach Bauer, Zach, raise your hand. Zach, who said our opening scripture verses. We are going, and Danny Snyder here, Danny, raise your hand. They are leading a mission trip to Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is one of the cities that the North American Mission Board has designated as a sin city, that there's a great focus on um, or starting new churches and reaching 98% of Salt Lake City is lost. That obviously, we all know that's a Mormon city, it's a very Mormon culture, but we are, Zach is leading a trip there. It's the, and parents, grandparents, I want you to bring, it's, it's mostly for um, middle and high schoolers. It's going to be the first week in July, and they're going to go out there and they're going to be working with a church plant. Zach has a preview trip. He's going there for a few days in March. So it's exciting for our church to be a partner with a city such as Salt Lake City to reach the folks there and encourage and strengthen the churches. So I'm sharing this now because I want you to be thinking about it. As you make plans for your next, for 2019, put on your calendar first week in July. You want to go on a mission trip? Salt Lake City is a great place to go. I've never been there. Who, I've, uh, who's actually been to Salt Lake City? Wow, a lot of folks have. I'm surprised. That's one of those places that, unless you're really, I guess, intentionally going there, you wouldn't really pass through. So 
But um, that is, that's coming up uh, later this year. Exciting there that we have a partnership and we're going to be able to certainly participate there with with Salt Lake City. I'm beginning a sermon series called Now uh, for this entire month. Now is a theme running through it is living for God today. So go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 13 through 17. I'm going to be preaching on the passage here on what it means to be chosen when God has chosen you for salvation. When God has chosen you for a greater purpose for what you are right now. And realizing what is that word, what does it mean to live for God when you've been chosen. Next week, I will be preaching on reaching college students for Jesus There's a reason why. Next week we have a special called business meeting right after the morning worship service. We will have Chris and Lauren Wright here. He is our perspective contemporary worship slash college minister. So he's going to be leading the worship along with the Broadway worship band. So uh, then right afterwards he's going to speak, uh, he's going to share some, a little bit about his testimony He's right now at a church called Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset. And um, I believe his resume is out here at the Welcome Center. You can pick one up and read all about him. A fantastic young couple. They're 25 years old. They have a little boy named Thomas who's about six, seven months old, years uh, old. So Sherry's holding four, four fingers up. Who's now four months old. So I was in the range. So uh, <laughs> with that... What's the difference between a four-month-old and a six-month-old? So they cry all the time. So, that's, but uh, anyway, um, that's going to be a great Sunday. It's going to be very encouraging. Our college ministry this past week has been at Passion. Two weeks from today, I will be along with Sherry in Israel, and we have Gary Miller who will be in the pulpit that morning. Say, who's Gary Miller? Gary Miller is a men's ministry evangelist. He doesn't want to go by the word evangelist. He wants to be a men's ministry speaker because the word evangelist scares lost folks away. Next month, men, we have a wild game dinner. It's on a Friday night. Bob Tanner's going to cook any type of food you want, any type of meat. And what's going to happen is Gary is the guest speaker. So what I want to do is, this guy's fantastic. He's one of these guys that's, you want to hear fishing and hunting and gun stories. This is the man. He, men love this guy. He's from Harrogate, Tennessee, in northern Tennessee. He's going to be here in two weeks. It's going to be a blessing that he's going to be here that Sunday. He's, um, I wanted folks to hear him before he's the, uh, y'all hear him again on the, at the Wild Game Dinner. So you'll get to hear him twice in, in January. Then again, if you're a man, you'll get to hear him next month at the Wild Game Dinner. So th- that's, um, that's in two weeks. Three weeks, I'll be back. And I'll be preaching on Canaan. The reason why I called it Canaan instead of Israel is because it starts with C. It goes along with chosen, and it goes with college and Canaan. I'll be returning from Israel, so I'm going to tell you all about it. So um, Canaan is what the land was called before it was named Israel. But I'll be sharing about that. So that's this week, it's li- or this month. That's living for God. We want to make sure the Lord is our priority, and we do it certainly now. You know, I think about now, about, you know, obviously we live in a now culture. When we want something, we want it now. There's no, no reason to wait for tomorrow. If you're, if you're anxious for something, it's now. Years ago, I used to watch TV, and there was a TV show called, I don't think it's still on, it's called um, uh, Shark Tank. Have you all heard of Shark Tank? It's what is it? If you have an idea, you stand before these millionaires, and if they like your idea, they take it. And 
try to make you try to sell yourself and you get to become successful. Well, many moons ago, there was a thing called the Scrub Daddy. This guy came in, and you, you take your, um, like your, before you put in the dishwasher, it's a little thing that you scrub off your pots and your spoons and your forks, and it really cleans it really well. Well, that was, that was the biggest hit ever on Shark Tank. Well, Sherry and I use a Scrub Daddy. And after a few months, they wear out. So you have to go buy them. They're only about six, seven bucks at the store. They used to only sell them at Bed Bath & Beyond. Only time in my life I've been in that store to get one. But now they sell them everywhere. So this Thursday morning, we were going over. We got up in the morning, kind of go over our schedule, what we've got to do. And um, Sherry said, Daniel, I need you to run my Kroger and get a new Scrub Daddy. We, we need a new one. I said, well, Sherry... You know, there's a lot to do, and I don't want to stop by the grocery store for one item. If you're going to go to the grocery store, you're going to go get a lot of things. Why one item? And she said, no, I really need it. <clears throat> and I said, well, Sherry, why don't you just let me order it on Amazon? It's Thursday morning. If I order it right now, I mean, free shipping, no tax. It'll be here in two days. It'll be here Saturday. I mean, we should just get it. We don't have to go anywhere. It just shows up in the mail. Mailman brings the scrub daddy. So her answer is, no, I need it now. I don't want to wait till Saturday. I need it now. So on Thursday, I was supposed to go by Kroger and get the Scrub Daddy because someone demanded it. I ran out of time, and I never made it. This morning, do we have a Scrub Daddy? No. There's still no Scrub Daddy, but she wanted it now. That is our now culture. Why wait two days when you can have it immediately? If we had ordered it on Thursday, we'd have it at our house already. But anyway, that's... Uh, <laughs> I share this because this is how we live. Why wait when we can get it immediately? We live in the 24-hour now culture. And the thing of what we're going to see here is the Bible's going to make very clear to us that God has chosen us. And we're going to see that word it's used. And it's unfortunate so many times when we as believers, when we see the words in Scripture used such as like chosen or elect, or predestined, we shy away from that because we don't understand. We say, that's too advanced for me. I don't want to deal with that. Or we start getting the label like a Calvinist, which is so unfortunate because the Bible talks about how we are chosen by God, yet at the same time, we have a responsibility to respond to God. So we're chosen by the Lord. God has, is sovereign over our lives. He knows all of eternity. He knows the future. His now is the past, present, and future. We only see the present. We live in the present. But God's now is much bigger than that. But at the same time, the Lord has a great responsibility for us for living for Him and responding to Him now. We cannot delay in our walk with the Lord. A good way to understand being chosen and how God is sovereign and knows, knows our, is kind of like if you have a child and your child is, say, three, four, five, six years old and they want to give you a Christmas present. In fact, our, this happened to our children. Your children want to give you a Christmas present. Or say your grandchildren want to give you a Christmas present. Well, children have no money. They can't drive to the store and they hopefully can't go on Amazon and order it, so... If they're going to buy a Christmas present for you, you have to pretty much do it for them. So you go to the store, you help pick it out, otherwise you'd be getting something that's off, off the chain, so to say, something you don't want at all. You kind of help guide that child in purchasing that present. 
Then after that, you buy the present with your money. You go home with the present. And mostly children can't wrap presents. You have to wrap the present for them. Remember, it's your present. So you're buying the present, wrapping the present. But then you give it back to them after, they've wrapped, after you've wrapped it. And it maybe sits under the tree or they're going to bring it out and present it to you for Christmas. So then they give you a Christmas present. When you open it on, on Christmas morning, well, you already know everything in there. You know how much it costs. You know everything about that present. But until that child gives you that present and actually says, here, Mom, Dad, Grandma, here's my Christmas present to you, you haven't received that present. They haven't actually done that. That's so similar to salvation. God knows everything. He knows if someone's going to be saved. So when we get saved, when you walk the aisle and give your life to Jesus, and you pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart and make Him the Lord of your life, it's not a surprise to go, wow, what a great surprise. The Lord already knew it. But until, just like a child, until that child actually gives you the present, they haven't given you the present. Until you respond to the Lord, you haven't been saved. Until Benjamin and Esther, the little ones, actually give their parents a Christmas present, we haven't received anything from them. That's an easy story to help illustrate what it means to be chosen, yet also have the responsibility, the free will to respond to the Lord. In fact, before we uh, read um, here in 2 Thessalonians, uh, Colossians 3.12 describes believers as God's chosen ones. So our goal this morning is to understand, when you walk out of here, you need to say, do I understand what it means to be chosen by the Lord? Because that word is used all throughout the Scriptures. How God has chosen. Think about it. God chose Abraham. He made him into a great nation. God chose Moses and raised up this prophet to lead the people out of slavery. God chose David to be Israel's greatest king. God chose Esther he put her in a position of authority, being married to the king, so she could save the Jewish people. God chose Peter in the New Testament. He was the leader of the disciples in the early church. He was the first person to preach right there, that Pentecost sermon that just saw the church grew like wildfire. God had chosen this man. God chose Paul to write one-third of the New Testament. God chose him to be the missionary that started the missions movement. The first missionary, just going from place to place, sharing the gospel. So we see through our Old and our New Testament, God doesn't just, doesn't just call people. He chooses them and has a plan. I think what happens for us, we see these great Bible stories of folks being chosen by the Lord and think, well, Daniel, that's great for Abraham, Moses, and Paul, but I just get up in the morning and wash dishes with my scrub daddy and go to work and watch TV and read my Bible. My life isn't like that. I just don't have that type of life. I'm not some prophet wandering around proclaiming we just live in a different world. So how does a 2019 life being chosen by the Lord look like today? And what it looks like by, in the Scripture is we are reminded by the Lord that we do not earn God's love or prove ourselves worthy of God's election. There's no, we don't ever earn anything by the Lord. God, when He chooses us, 
It's an unmerited gift. So what happens is daily, we wake up. If you're saved, you wake up and you realize, Lord, you died for me on the cross. I trusted as you my Savior. And from this day, now, I will live for you. And it's every moment you give to the Lord. There's not a wasted opportunity. And that, whether that be the person at the bank, the person you work with, the way you can be a great witness to the mailman, however it is, you're living a life that is a God-centered, Christ-exalting life. So 2 Thessalonians, turn your Bible, verse 13, it says here, But we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, look at this, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by what we said or what we wrote. May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. I want to, if you have your bulletin, pull out your little bulletin insert here. <clears throat> Here's our questions we're going to answer. Right now, how do you know that you're saved? If you are here and brought, God likely, or He did, He brought you here. It's not an accident. You're here on purpose. How do you know you're saved? And not only that, if you're saved, which means you've been chosen by the Lord, which means you've responded to the Lord, now what? Chosen equals response. God has, has a great plan for you, now what? And I think the, the clue that we see here, the answer to these questions, are in the verse that we read here in verse 13. God has chosen you for salvation. So God's plan and purpose in verse 13 is for you to be saved, for people, for all people to be saved. Through sanctification. What that means, sanctification, that's God's holiness. That means the Lord here, He has set you apart. In a little bit, we are going to look at um, Leviticus chapter 11 and we're going to see what holiness actually is. Holiness is being set apart from the Lord. You know how you, you want to know if someone is saved? You look at how their life is. If someone is living a holy, set-apart life for the Lord, that's a sign that this person is saved. God's people, chosen people, are Israel in the Old Testament. He chose them. And do you know what their plan was? For them to be set apart and different than the other nations. Their lifestyle, their their motivation, their decisions they made were not based on what their culture and what was popular 3,000 years ago. Their motivation was they are the people of God, therefore they should live as the people of God. Listen, we are the people of God today. Jesus came and died for you. If you're saved, you are set apart from Him. So the now is how shall we for be living for the God? We're gonna, how shall we be living? We should be living what we call a sanctified, holy lifestyle. Holy life. That means your life 
is radically different and looks different than the surrounding peoples here in Lexington. When you go to school, you maybe don't use the same language and talk, tell the same stories and watch the same things at the movies and on TV and on the internet because you're different. You're set apart for God. You're God's chosen one. Jesus died for you. He gave His life for, for that. Keep going in verse 13. I want to keep pulling this out. Look at this. You're sanctified by the tr- Spirit and through belief in the truth. That's the response right there. We believe the truth. The truth is the Gospel. You can't be saved without belief. Belief is the response to the Lord. When you believe Christ saves you, He makes you a holy person, a chosen person for the Lord. God has chosen. He's put, he's put eternity in all of our souls. He's set us apart. But only the folks who believe, only those that respond to the Gospel are those who are saved. You know, one of the things... Uh, it's tragic we see here when believers, people who are saved in 2019, chosen for God, yet they're living for themselves. Do you know someone like that? Do you know someone who's a born-again believer, yet they are not living for the Lord? They're living as they're lost. <clears throat> if you have your little uh, insert, I want to go through these. We're four fill-in-the-blanks. And here's what our takeaway is what we want to get. How do you know you've been chosen by God? They're up here on the screen. How do we know? Number one, the basis of God choosing you is not in you, but church is in grace. Grace is a gift. This is God's free will. This is unmerited favor. This is when your child gives you a present, but they have no money and there's no possible way for them to even purchase a present or even wrap a present. Or even get to the store to get a present. It's coming solely from the parents or the grandparents. That's what salvation is. We do not earn in no way our salvation. This is why when we see the cross, when we see Jesus, we see especially what happened at the empty tomb, we realize this man we celebrated a couple of weeks ago In the manger, His whole purpose was to die for our sins, that we did not deserve it. Number two, your holiness or your sanctification, meaning sanctification is set apart, is a testimony that you've been chosen. Listen, saved people live holy lives. Your son or daughter who's not in church, who doesn't love the Lord, who's not living a godly lifestyle, most likely... They're not saved. And it's hard for us. Your family member who, who claims they are a believer, but Christ... Listen, church attendance doesn't save us. But holy people do come to worship. Holy people want to hear God's Word preached and taught. Holy, sanctified, chosen people want to meet with the family of God. They want to go to Sunday school. They want to be here. Because this is what God's people do. People who have no interest in this aren't saved. They're not. If you come to church and think, when is this going to be over? This is so boring. I can't wait. I can't wait to leave. If that's the attitude, if the attitude isn't, I'm here to worship. You know, on our Sunday school lesson today, those wise men, they showed up with, um, with Mary and Joseph 
And it says they fell to their knees and they worshipped baby Jesus. They wanted to be there. When's the last time, you know the question, when's the last time you have fallen on your knees and worshipped the Lord? If the wise men did it 2,000 years ago, have you ever fallen on your knees to worship the Lord? They did 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ tells us our sanctification, our being set apart, our holiness shows that we've been chosen. Number three, and we're about to turn our Bibles to Leviticus 11.45. Go ahead and flip there in your Bible. Leviticus 11.45. This is a section of Scripture. A lot of times we don't turn to Leviticus. This is coming from Moses. God gave him this as part of the law. And he's telling us what his people are going to be like. God brought you from Egypt so he could be your God. This directly ties in with Leviticus 45. It says, For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. Look at this. I brought you from the land of Egypt. Why? So I, so I could be your God. God's people, He's, de he's delivering them so He could directly be, He's chosen them. He had a purpose and plan for them. So He could be their God. Now look at this. Last part of verse 45. So important. So you must be holy because I am holy. We must be holy. Holy is sanctified, set apart. Why? Because the Lord is holy. We are holy because God is holy. Holiness means you live a clean life. Holiness means God have a clean heart. Lord, I stand before you debt free. I come before you with no sin on my hands. Lord, I wake up each day and I give my day to you, Lord. I live a life every day not wanting to sin, not wanting to do shameful things that would bring disgrace to the gospel, not wanting to do things that would let down my Lord who saved me. Set apart people are holy. We are called to live a radically different lifestyle. This is so difficult in our culture. Our culture, 2019, it just sucks you into molding how you think, molding how, how you act, molding your language, what you watch, and we're constantly, as believers, pushing against it, saying, no, I'm holy for the Lord. I live for Him. This is something we see from years ago in our Old Testament. God's people are set apart. They're righteous folks. They're holy folks. That's what it means to be delivered from Egypt. God brought you out of it. We live in Egypt today. Lexington is Egypt. All around us. Egypt is the place of sin. Egypt is the place of unrighteousness. It's the place of Gentiles. And Jesus lived in Egypt. He was there. The Israelites were in bondage and in slavery in Egypt. God pulls us out of Egypt. But you know, think about Egypt. Everyone has to be in it. And we're in it even here in Lexington. But you can be in Egypt, but not of Egypt. You can be in Lexington, but not of Lexington. We're set apart for the Lord. Number four we see here. Being chosen by God 
means you live for Him eternally. Eternally. Back here in 2 Thessalonians. You had your Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. Look at this Bible verse. I want, you, I want to pull this out. Verse 15, back in your Bible. So then, brothers and sisters, look at this. Stand firm. Do you know why it says that? Because if, if you don't daily stand firm for the gospel, you'll get knocked down. The devil wants to destroy your life. There's probably... We all know folks who've been destroyed by the devil. We have family members who've been attacked. They fell victim. They bought the lie from hell. And the Bible's telling us to stand firm. And look at this. And hold to the traditions you were taught. What are these traditions? Are these Christmas traditions? Are these your New Year's traditions of eating black-eyed peas? No. The traditions that you were taught are your Bible traditions. This is why you go to Sunday school. You need to know your Bible. This is why you come to worship. This is why you sing songs. This is why you have a daily quiet time with the Lord. What you were taught and what you grew up learning, that that Bible-based tradition holds the rest of your life. The great problem today, there is a generation coming behind my generation. That millennial generation, was it Y or Z, whatever they name them, they might not have that. They do not have a Bible-based tradition. This is why in Broadway Baptist Church, this is why it's this is why it's mandatory for our church that we have a dynamic Bible preaching, gospel teaching, children, youth, and college ministry. This is rock solid. Those ages, children, youth, college. When you're, and we are in a college, there are college students everywhere. Though that is where you learn. The stuff you learn as young, that gives you the foundation. We want to be a church. I was blessed. Sherry and I were blessed to be part, grow up in a church that we had that rock solid foundation. I want our children to be raised in a church here at Broadway that has a dynamic children, youth, and college ministry. The focus, we, you have, that's not non-negotiable. Because when we read this here in the Bible, look here, you need to hold to the traditions you were taught. Those are Bible traditions. Look, I, I'm preaching a lot of you. You have, been, you have been saved for 50 or 60 years. You remember VBS. You remember youth group. You remember going to Salt Lake City on a mission trip. I mean, I remember when I was a teenager, I, went, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. We went on a mission trip to Boston, Massachusetts. A week long. I remember that. that the, I, rem, I remember everything about it. Because that those gospel seeds were planted in my heart. Children need to go to children's camp and come to Awana. Teenagers need to be involved in a dynamic youth group and learn the Bible taught you know, in a way that engages them. College students, they've been at Passion this past week in Atlanta. They need to go every year to that. They're worshiping with other college students, hearing messages geared towards them. Do you know how sad would it be 
for someone who got, gets saved at 45 years old, and they read this Bible verse here, 2 Thessalonians 2.15, and they see that and it says, hold to the traditions you were taught. And they realize, I wasn't taught any traditions. My mom, dad, grandma, grandpa didn't bring me to church. I didn't grow up in a children's ministry, a youth ministry, a college ministry. That's sad. It's unfortunate. But that's becoming the norm. You've got folks are coming to church at 30, 40, 50 years old, and it's their first time they've ever been to church. They don't have any tradition to build on. They don't know the stories of the Bible. They don't know what happened to Moses. They don't know the parting of the Red Sea. And the Scripture's telling us, parents, you have a responsibility. Grandparents, if your kids don't do it, you need to do it. You need to be teaching your children and grandchildren about the Lord. You need to be investing in them spiritually. You say, well, pastor, how, what traditions here are taught? Now look at this. Verse 15 answers that. Whether by what we said or what we wrote. I love that. What we said or wrote. What we said, that's me speaking right now. That's your children's minister. That's your youth minister. That's your college minister. Your, that's your Sunday school teacher teaching you verbally what we wrote. That's your daily quiet time. God expects you and I to be listening and growing, and He expects you and I to be reading and growing. That is how the tradition grows. We need, part of being chosen and realizing responding now means you live for Him eternally. From the time you were born to the time you die, you give your life to God. You never retire. We live for the Lord. What do we see here? The characteristics, a genuinely converted believer has been transformed by God's grace. We see that here in verse 13. We are saved by grace. Not only that, a genuine converted believer has been guided by God's Word. That's what it means right here. As we see about these traditions, we are guided by God's Word. We're taught and we read it ourselves. And not only that, we are secure in God's salvation. You are saved eternally forever when god saves you he doesn't let go i have a quote do you have that i have a quote from our current sbc president named jd greer did we get that up on the screen okay i'll read it it says we share christ with people like it's up to us and we pray to god knowing that it's up to him let me say that again we share jesus we share christ with other people, like it's up to us. Like, we have a responsibility. Say, we are aggressive in sharing. We're aggressive in missions. We're aggressive in teaching a new generation the gospel. But not only that, we need to be praying to the Lord. Like it's all up to Him. Because ultimately, it is up to Him. You and I can't create. We can't do. We can't force someone to be saved. God saves people. Our responsibility is communicating the gospel. Our responsibility is showing that, hey, God brought you here. God is here doing this great work. The Bible is live. It's speaking to you. It, it cuts bone and marrow. It moves in people's life. Your salvation is not dependent on God letting go of you. Not you letting go of God. Meaning, our salvation, we hang because we are saved because God holds on to us, not we hold on to Him. 
A saved person lives a holy, sanctified, set-apart life for the Lord. All the way up to death. Saved people do not throw in the towel. Saved people don't quit. Saved folks, when, tough, when times get going hard, when there's tough times, it drives them to their knees. They're more dependent upon the Lord. They realize they can't do it themselves. When the doctor says you're going to die, you have cancer, it's over, that just says I've got to turn to the Lord because I can't do it. When your children are wild and rebellious, you turn to the Lord. When you want to see God move a great thing in your life in 2019, you turn to the Lord. That's what saved people do. Because you can't do it on your own. We can't produce a, a spiritual change, something that only the Lord can do. So how do, far, so how do folks with a hard heart respond to God? If you are here, and maybe you say, Daniel, okay, I'm hearing this, but someone, I have a hard heart, I haven't been sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We respond to God. Even if we have a hard heart, we do it through conviction of sin. God convicts us. What that means is, if you have unholy things in your life right now, if there are things that you have no business for a believer, if you've allowed the Lexington culture to seep into your life, you respond to the Lord by repentance and say, Lord, this is wrong. This is sinful. Until you call out the sin in your life, it will, you will remain a corrupted life. You will continue to have corruption in your family. Hold, the holiness of God spills over into the believer's life. The question for us, Lord, do I have clean hands and a pure heart? Am I holy? Holy people are sanctified. Sanctified people, based on verse 13, are chosen. Chosen people are going to heaven. God, am I living a holy life? Do I have clean hands and a pure heart? Have I given it to you? Broadway, that's what it means to be saved. The question right now, okay, I've heard this message. I see how important it is to live a life that's set apart for God. Lord, am I going to do it? Have I responded? Just like a child, until they actually give their parents the present, they haven't given them a gift. Until you actually pray and ask Jesus into your heart and respond to the gospel, you aren't saved. Verse 13 says that word belief in the truth. Until you believe the truth, you're not saved. Are you ready to get saved this morning? Are you ready to trust the Lord? Are you ready to say, Jesus, I'm yours. I want to live a chosen life now. We close our service with an invitation. If you want to get saved this morning, now is the time to walk forward and say, Pastor, I'm ready to get saved. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. Ms. Gail Hurd's going to lead us in our invitation, and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation, and I'm going to be standing up here waiting for you to respond.
have a microphone. God's certainly been uh, doing great things here. Lisa, do you want to come stand up? This here is Miss Lisa Galvin. Y'all come stand down here a little bit. Uh, Lisa Galvin and her husband Pat here. I had the opportunity to pray with her. She rededicated her life to the Lord this morning. It's so encouraging. She told me it is. Amen. Lisa told me she was saved 40, 45 years ago, but she said, Daniel, the last 15 years I have not, living, I have not been living for the Lord, and I need to make a decision to uh, get, get right with Him and get serious in my relationship with God. That is so important to do. A rededication can completely change your life. I tell you, too, I even said, Lisa, do you want to make it public? So I said, if you make it public, folks hold you accountable. And that's why it's important to make your decisions public to the Lord. So, Lisa, we are excited for you making this rededication and coming here and uh, putting Christ first in your life. So you are excited for Lisa and for Pat for recommitting their life to the Lord. Will you join me in saying amen? Amen. amen. All right, I want y'all just slide down here right here. All right, John, Kelly, King family, y'all come down here. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Herb. This here is John and Kelly King, and this is their children, Emma, Abby, and Johnny. They're coming here, transferring their membership from a local area Baptist church. I want to tell you about this family. Kelly teaches at Paris, um, Paris City Schools, right? Yes. Paris City. That's in Bourbon County, right? The, their children here, they go... Um, uh, Emma is in fifth grade at Paris Elementary, and Abby's in fourth grade at Paris Elementary, and Johnny, he's a, a, a preschooler. He's in a four-year-old kindergarten, four or five. He's, he turned five, he's a priest. And they, he goes to kindergarten here at um, Southern Hills Elementary. So, Sherry, he didn't join your preschool. So we'll have to, have to talk to them about that. They are all coming here. The two older girls have been baptized at their former church. They're believers. Had a chance to talk to them. So the King family is coming and joining Broadway by a transfer of membership. So if you are excited for the King family, for uniting here at our church, will you join me in saying amen? Amen. We are excited for them being part of our family. We often scoot down here as well. We always close our service here with um, a time of uh, uh, shaking hands. So in a minute, I'm going to make two announcements here real quick. Now I want you to come through a receiving line, shake their hand, and welcome them to our Broadway uh, church family and let them know how uh, appreciative you are for getting to know them and for being part of our church and their decision to follow the Lord. Remember, tonight we resume our Awana program. It kicks back off. We're back on our Sunday night schedule now, past all the Christmas stuff. We have evening church at 6 o'clock. We have Awana at 5.30. Awana is from 5.30 to 7.30, and it's a re, re-sign-up night, so you need to bring your children, your grandchildren. It's balloon night to celebrate the new year. So during game time, Zach will be doing balloons with you. So um, that's an entrance B down the fellowship hall, so make sure you bring your children uh, to Awana. And there was one other announcement. Anyway, I need to write these down. But there's a, <laughs> you look at the bulletin, I'm sure it's in there. But uh, I'll just remind you next Sunday, I really want you to come to church. This isn't it. But next Sunday, Chris and Lauren Wright will be here. So he's going to be sharing his testimony and will be preaching on reaching college. We are in college towns, there are college students everywhere. We need to be a church and be a body, and you need to be a person that invests in people who are 18 to 23 years old. That's a formative time in someone's life to be sharing the gospel and teaching them about the Lord. So I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. 
and we're going to have a closing song. Remember, right after the song, you can come through the receiving line and welcome our decisions this morning.